keep peace. Hello, dear listener, and welcome to another edition of Wagdog FM, your European public relations podcast. How are you doing? Uh, normally, I launch this on a Monday, so it the chances are that you're listening to this on a Monday and the start of a week is uh, is is on. So I hope it will be a good one for you. Uh, I hope you're not listening to this uh, while stuck in traffic. I always think, like, where do people listen to this podcast? Do they do that in the weekends, in the evening maybe, or when they have a bit of time, or while jogging, or I don't know. Would be great. So if, uh, if you have a couple of minutes, send me an email. Tell me, you know, Philip, I am listening to your podcast while stuck in traffic every Monday. Um, I hope not. So this week, we're going to talk about how to manage communications across continents. And to do that, I interviewed Stephen Shepperson Smith. He's a um, UK-based PR colleague of ours. And uh, he did, for his MBA, he did a research report called The Globalization of PR, How Companies Are Managing Communications Across Continents. So he did a lot of research on the topic. And uh, we speak about this in the next, what, half hour. Uh, We're going to cover centralized operational models, uh, integrating global PR agencies into your structure, uh, communications project management, the value of agencies versus PR consultants, all that in the global context. So um, it was an interesting one. It's maybe a different kind of topic than the high-flying stuff that we do otherwise, but this is really what we do day in, day out, the operation, the operational side of good public relations on a global scale. So I hope you enjoy it, and uh, without further ado, here we go. So hi, Stephen. Uh, welcome at uh, this edition from Wag the Dog. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Thank you very much for inviting me, Philip. No problem. I, uh, I saw your, uh, your research paper uh, recently through probably an article in PR Week or something like that. And mm-hmm. uh, and I thought, well, this is an interesting uh, topic, global communications, because I know that a lot of people who listen to this podcast are at least responsible for a couple of countries. So uh, that was the, the thing that made me uh, reach out to you. And uh, so here we are. Great. So maybe just to start off, can you um, give a bit of a background on the, the, the research that you've done, just to position that and, and why have you done it? And, and how did you come to, to do some research on global comms? Yeah, of course. So um, I've worked in comms for 15 years, last 10 or so uh, for multinational companies. And I was finishing off a, um, an MBA and looking to do uh, some, some work on that um, and um, a dissertation. The PRCA in the UK, uh, PR Consultancy Association, had done some work already on on global comms uh, for their uh, Form for the Future uh, group. And they'd started to look at is there a sort of archetypal design for a global comms unit and how the consultancy fit into that and they wanted someone to sort of do some more research in that area so, so that was the starting point really and, and and what i did was i went and spoke to a number of senior uh, pr people in global roles um and, and really started to fit into um you know what are the models in their organizations and, and what became clear is that two things i suppose one is there's no there's no single model um, that, that fits, which probably won't surprise um, anyone listening to this podcast. Uh, but secondly, uh, there may not even be one single model um, that fits an organisation right the way across the organisation. That in turn led me to um, to look at what are the linkages then. So what, why why organise your teams in in a certain way in certain structures? Uh, and so so where the the research ended up was both identifying a range of different different models that organizations could look at to run their comms teams, 
but also boiling down and saying, well, you know, you'd employ those essentially more local uh, control when uh, you had sort of a, a, perhaps a, a less task expertise or a lot of expertise experience locally. Uh, and you might centralize uh, your comms team a lot more. So to so have more, more control from the center um, at moments when uh, you needed a lot of, uh, there was a lot of sensitivity over that task and, um, or, or you just didn't quite have the skills uh, in markets to, um, to delegate uh, key tasks out that way. So, and, and how did you um, do your research then? Did you reach out uh, across the globe to different people and then was that interview based or how did you do that? Yeah, so there was a mix. Uh, so there was, there was a lot of um, research on the theory. So there's a lot of um, literature out there now on, on global comms, um, which I looked at. And then, then I went to interview um, uh, a range of senior PR people. Yeah. Now, when you um, when you look at your study, I mean, there are a couple of things. And I'll, of course, I'll put the uh, the link to your study so that people can download it uh, and uh, on the show notes. But as you said from the beginning, you were looking at how can you put up a team? How can you organize your uh, your team on a global scale? Mm. But you were also looking at how does how do agencies integrate in there if they at all integrate in there? So maybe we can start with the in-house kind of thing. What were your main findings for you know people who work in global companies? They need to organize their teams. They look at the operations. What were you know in- interesting findings that you've seen? Well, I think the most interesting thing was um, the need for flexibility. So. In a, in a lot of the people situations that, that I came across, a lot of the people I spoke to, um, there was a variety of reporting structures. So it's, it's pretty common, I think, that uh, your, your local heads of comms in global organizations will perhaps report into the country manager, mm-hmm. um, but there'll still be a, a sort of centralized and global comms team. And where that became a problem was that you, you ended up with um, structures that might stay in, in, in place for a long time without anyone really having the control to to, to change that or, or change that you know very easily. And my argument was, well, actually, surely the structure should change when the circumstances change. So, so if we look at an example, banking, for example, might, you know has been a very very stable industry for a long time. Um, and you say, well, there's, there's, you know, largely you could put in place a global construct. You say, well, that's relatively stable, it's relatively straightforward. And, you know, for, for most of the, la- the early part of the century or uh, last century, you, you could have, um, you could have probably run with the same structure. Mm-hmm. But that's, an, that's a, an industry that's had a, a huge amount of change over the last few years. So suddenly you've had the global financial crisis. Um, and, and the rise of the internet is a disruptive mechanism. And you know, although I don't work in, in banking PR, I imagine there's some global heads of comms that are looking at thinking, you know, is this is this model still right? Should we have the same level of delegation to our our, our local units, or, or should we centralise? And, and so, it's, so it's having that flexibility to change when the situation changes, um, which I think is is really important. Yeah, and indeed, by task by task. Yeah, and then, but then, then you're talking about uh, a flexible approach to organizing teams, and you mentioned banking, but we are talking mainly here about uh, large international groups who have a global presence. Uh, we all know that most of the time these uh, these ships, and and I've had a career in one of those big ships, uh, are very difficult to turn around uh, or even to be uh, a bit flexible. So uh, that must be a huge challenge to be, you know, to incorporate different models at different times. Yeah, so, so I think I think when you work in a global role or work across an, or responsible for a number of countries, um, there's the opportunity to sort of come in and uh, and think about, you know, what are the situations in the markets that I'm, I'm operating in? And 
is it the same as um, it was in the past? So what's the level of experience and expertise in the markets? Is the level of delegated authority appropriate for that? Have the local markets become more complex? So, um, you know, have they become more, more high profile? Uh, is there particularly tricky government in there? You know, is it particularly high profile for the media? So do we need some more, more oversight? Um, you know, or has it become less less profile? So, you know, does it need the same central oversight as before? And, and, and the, the aim of the research, I, I guess, is to really to get to um, comms directors asking those sort of questions and, and hopefully to be helpful for them in, in a guide to um, some of the thinking they do when, when they're in the position of starting to think about how their teams are structured. Yeah. One of the things that uh, you also mentioned was uh, when we look at how organizations react in times of maybe crisis or issues management, these things, you said uh, somewhere you mentioned issues should be managed based on task, not role. Can you, I, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a good concept here, but can you maybe elaborate on that? Yes, absolutely. So, um, so the, the, the thing is with some organizations that I spoke to, it tended to be a sort of um, knee jerk fallback to standard practice so so if uh if the the central team always managed high high level crises and they, they then they always would um you know if, if those things were always managed locally then, then they always would be so there's, there's a very much processual uh, tendency in some organizations and what i was arguing is is actually you know the the experience of of managing a particular issue whatever it could be could occur anywhere in the, in the in the PR organization. So it might be that someone in another market has had some experience on that particular that particular task. Um, you know, it could be someone in the regional team, the the central team, or the local team has managed, has experienced that past. Or it could be that, that you know to bring in agencies that, that nobody has experience. In which case, you know, you need to get agency support. So it's it's really it's really um, for each each issue that the um, comms director is, is faced with, or, or the comms team is faced with taking a step back and thinking, you know, where, who could really add value to this? Um, and, and again, you know, thinking flexibly, how do we bring together a, a, a team on this um, that, uh, you, you know, can, can give the best result for the organization, yeah. regardless of, of who they report into? So uh, you, you, would, you would be rather looking um, at experience of that specific situation or experience of a market or you know those kind of things without really looking at the, uh, the hierarchy or the roles that people have or the names on their on their business tag. As long as they're professional communicators, you could put teams together based on the specifics of the crisis and based on their experience, not on where they sit in the organization chart. I think so. And, and you made the point before that um, it's very hard in a lot of big organizations. It can seem very daunting to uh, to move the ship around and. Is there's there's lots of layers of bureaucracy and lots of people in very entrenched positions, and and you know I think back to uh, an accountancy consulting firm that I I worked with a number of years ago, and, and they used to be able to pull together teams from from anywhere in the world, very flexible, had a very you know very good and flexible structure, and the idea was that you, you know you, you throw up the task and you can you can um, you can pull your team together regardless of where that is, um, and I, and I think you know I think these things are are possible. Um, but, but particularly in um, in a much more complex era that we're in with the internet and 24/7 media, um, I think we do need to start thinking that in that way and and um, really try to create much more flexible organisations that can can pull together very quickly. Um, and as, an, as another example, you know, you might be in a market and think, you know, we've we've got this issue, it's it's breaking, it, you know, it could break outside the market, and actually what we need is 24-hour uh, view on it. 
and that that could be you know that's the great thing about a global organization you've probably got somewhere someone somewhere in the world that can um can help you see that through and make sure that um it's you know the issue isn't spiraling out of control on social media while your main market's asleep so um it's you know it's it's, it's all, all sorts of elements of that and and um thinking about how your whole organization will be used um you know you've got a much bigger deck of cards and perhaps you think about for every single issue yeah one of the things I've seen with clients uh, was that you know they could have had a great structure um, around crisis, for instance, uh, on a global scale, what have you. But then you know when something happens in I don't know Asia, uh, Japan, China, what have you, they would be faced with the fact that no one in the central crisis communication team speaks those languages fluently. <laughs> uh, where then suddenly it was like, okay, mm, now this is going uh, crazy on social media, but nobody knows how to respond here. Uh, not even knows how to read those things. And that's just a language issue. Um, where yeah, suddenly, true. of course, yeah. the coordination stays somewhere centrally, but but the, the, the real work is being done on site uh, yeah. in the country. Yeah. It's true. It's, it's a real challenge. And this, this nicely segues into talking about agencies because um, what I found was for agencies, it's, it's kind of understanding this, that the model internally. So how, how, do the, how do the internal teams work? And, you know, and from an agency standpoint, really looking at um, an in-house team and thinking, you know, where are the gaps in their knowledge? Where could we add value? And as you say, it could be that, you know, your client's got interest in Asia, but hasn't probably, hasn't got the same level of, expertise in the market or, or language skills that you might have in-house. And, and, and that's a natural alignment. So it's a good example. Yeah. What else have you seen when you look at uh, design of teams or how uh, in-house teams and uh, agency teams um, can or should work together on a global scale? How? What have you found there? One of the things that was really interesting was um, what we called the, the myth of a global agency. Um, and, you know, clearly there are, there are lots of um, large and very successful global agencies out there. But one of the things that, that um, you know that I looked at and that I, I spoke to people about was uh, do do people really use them globally? Do they want to use an agency globally? Uh, and, and what consistency kept, consistently came back from in-house practitioners was saying well, we want the best people, mm-hmm. regardless of where they were. And, and um, you know this this throws up an, an interesting challenge, I think, to to agencies as to you know what's the real value adds in, in some cases global agencies will have the best people in a number of markets, but will they be number one or number two in every single market in the world? I mean, I don't think, um, I don't think anyone from the global agencies would probably come onto your show and, and, and claim they are. So, so that it was a really a clarion call for flexibility in agencies as well, because there's a lot of really good uh, individual consultants or independent consultants that, that might be an expert, to use your example, before China, yeah. have a lot of expert expertise there that um, you know, could then plug into a global agency and work with them on a particular project. Because the actual nightmare uh, and pain point, I think, in-house is, is having to go through procurement teams uh, to hire lots of different agencies. You know, I mean, I'm sure yeah. you've come across that in the past. It's, it's, yeah. it's an absolute pain. So I'm not suggesting an agency should, a global agency should just be a holding company, but equally, that you know, it can add real value there to, uh, as a coordinator of you know, absolutely top, absolutely skilled teams to support clients on particular projects. And, um, you know, I, I don't see a, a, enough of that going on at the moment. Yeah, but that requires, again, uh, also with the agencies, uh, a lot of flexibility. And, and it does, you, yeah. you mentioned the, uh, the thing I was going to say about global agencies. Uh, I always wondered why um, the companies I worked for wanted a global agency, one brand, 
And I always thought, well, you know, it's a simple fact of one invoice and it's more a procurement decision yeah. than anything else. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, um, agencies are not always open to work with other freelance loan agents uh, on the ground. Um, but it is something that freelancers, one-man organizations like myself do very naturally with other one-man organizations. It is, it's, yeah. It's, it, for, for, for freelance professionals, I mean, we could set up a network in, in probably in less than 24 hours all across mm. the globe with, with 50 freelancers who know each other, who know how to work with each other, uh, who understand each other's specialties. Um, and that's the kind of flexibility I think that agencies could use as well, uh, because I know a lot of agencies are really starting to look like their clients, big, massive ships yeah. <laughs> that don't turn yeah. around very quickly when, uh, when there's a need. Yeah. And I've come, come across those models with you know, independence clubs together and saying, well, actually, you know, I work on an informal basis with a number of different people with different skills or yeah. experts in different markets. And, yeah. um, you know, we can provide a, a one-stop shop um, for, for a number of tasks. And, um, you know, it's, it's looking for that flexibility across the board. And as I say, focusing on tasks, not role, uh, and, and really looking at, you know, what's best to support the clients. And I think, you know, I think in an increasingly complex world, you want business models that are, that are flexible enough to, to sort of to, to scale up. Speaking candidly, I hear from agencies that it's, it's hard enough to coordinate their own teams across markets and, and look like they're providing a, a you know single um, coherent service. Um, so you know, is, is it really that much harder to then bring someone in from outside if needed? If you, you know, if you really don't have the skills um, and, and, and plug them into the into the system as well, it's certainly it's a, it's a challenge and it's an interesting thought I think for agency bosses to think about. No, I think, and then again, there are agencies, uh, at least I've worked with that do that, you know, they just pull you in when they need you. And then we work together ah. and then, you know, later, yeah. then, then we go each our own way. And, uh, and, and it's, it's, a, it's, that is an interesting way to work. I think for, for both sides, because as a, as a freelancer, then, you know, you spend some time with other colleagues, not just by yourself, which is nice from time to time. At the same time, you learn stuff and, and it's vice versa. So I think it's a model that can work. It should maybe be a bit pushed a bit more with, with some agencies where, you know, it's uh, just to show them that it's possible and it's a very, very flexible way to work. Yeah. Well, um, I think, I think yeah. um, um, you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, these things do, do occur in, in pockets already. And, and it's might be possible for listeners to be sitting there thinking, well, well, hang on a second, you know, all of this sort of stuff happens really. Why Why should we do more of it now? But I think we're in an era where um, issues can go global, um, never mind 24 hours and 24 seconds. Yeah. So increasingly, you know, you really want to have teams that don't take a long time to get together. You can just pick them up very quickly, pull together a, a coalition of the willing and, um, and manage a particular issue. And I, and I think that's that's the future is very much like social media, you know, things blow up very quickly, they blow down very quickly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you need someone, uh, you need a group together, either from an in-house team or um, or uh, with agencies um, to, to, to manage that very quickly and then to um, scale down again very quickly. Yeah. How do you see um, the interaction between, and again, in the context of your research, um, the interaction between agencies and uh, global you know, companies, is, is, is there something like, is there a change or is it still a traditional way of, you know, we, we have an agency, we use them on the ground and, uh, or, or do you see any changes in there? How they work together then in the, what is the model there? Yes. Uh, there's, there's a variety of different, um, different models in that, um, in-house teams, um, would, would work on and different levels. So there's, there's sort of 
the strategic global agency. There's you know agencies work with regional teams, agencies that provide local teams. But what it really came down to for the people I interviewed was this desire to have the best people in all contexts. So they had fantastic agency relationships, and you know in some cases, um, as you said, they very much mirror the mastership and and um, you know, have had a long-term relationship and really, you know, really know the, the client inside out, and they actually, in some ways, got a better institutional memory than than exists in house. If, if in house got a, a big turnover, but but at the same time, you know, where that's changing is this is you know the, the speed of response required on on all sorts of issues. And it's not just talking about crisis communications, but whether it's marketing communications or just a daily issue. You know, you need to react, react faster and faster, and and that's requiring them to want you know, expertise straight off the bat and not to have to spend the time to explain that to an agency. So, you know, either you can help or you can't, and if you can't get out of the way because I need to get on with this. Mm-hmm. So I think that that is providing a challenge to agencies, particularly global agencies, to say, you know, how do we add more value to um, to the uh, the in-house relationship? Yeah. Now, you uh, in one of the things as well that I saw that you said, there is, although there is a flexibility need for team structures, there is still, at the end of the day, guy or girl who is running the show, right? Who is the central point of contact, the chief communications officer, the whatever it is mm-hmm. called today, right? That, that mm-hmm. is still a need, right? There is still a central coordination. I, I think so. I, I, I don't want to make it sound like a, a call simply for, for more centralized comms because that's that's not what I'm arguing mm-hmm. for. But you know, if you're going to bring flexibility into organization, um, I think you do need someone centrally with the authority to be able to uh, to, to to drive that flexibility, so you know, it's very difficult if there's there's no one who's got any control over the comms teams to then really allow people to to move fluidly, um, you know, where the organisation needs the most on any given day. And so, without that, without that empowered central comms person who can really understand, you know, what are the key reputational challenges? Where do I really need to focus my resources? Um, I, you know, I think it's I think it's very very difficult to achieve. Um, you know any of the rest of it, mm. and then you probably need someone high high enough in the in the food chain uh, to be able to, as you said, I mean, cut through potential red tape, change things where it's needed. Uh, one stop person, kind who can you know just take on the the responsibility and 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 do stuff, right? I think yeah, I think it's an efficiency point. I mean, you know, more and more of the issues facing organisations are reputational, have a reputational element to them. So naturally enough. You know, if, you, if those things need managing by someone, you want to be able to say from a central point, well, where do I, how do I move my resources to most effectively to, to manage them? But you need someone with the authority to be able to do that and, you know, to be able to do that in the time time enabled. And um, as I've said already, increasingly, um, the, the, amount, the amount of time that PR people have to react to things and to to, uh, to to create campaigns or, or anything else is is, um, is diminishing. Mm-hmm. What else have you uh, have you come across in uh, in your research? Uh, we spoke about so the, the the team design that again that should reflect the market where an organization is uh, is active. It's it's also based on skills available or not. We've spoken about uh, flexibility both on the in house side and the and the global uh, agency side. The mix between individual practitioners and agencies, which is interesting. What, what else? Are there other topics that you really came out of the research that you said that those are really interesting? There is an argument with some of the, the, the marketing PR that you, know, you want it to be cookie cutter and, and the same across the world. And, and, you know, I completely get that. But at the same time, I think um, it's also can be very, very complex in, in some environments. 
So if your so if your local market is quite complex, I think you you know you want to have uh, a team on the ground running that who uh, really understand the local culture and the local consumer um, and are able to be very um, uh, you know to, to flex the campaign according to that. So um, and I think you know for a lot of um, a lot of the brands that I I, I spoke with it tended to be a, a sort of very centrally run single brand campaign. So um, there's some interesting challenges to that. Yeah. I've um, yeah I've in in a couple of podcasts we've touched on that here and there and in the next one as well that it, as we always said and at least for most of us who went to PR school uh, that was in the books all communications is local but it's even more true I think today I think really there are just a couple of brands maybe worldwide who can really do this but others others really have to adapt to each market and therefore you need local people who understand that. And that ranges from the use of the correct colors, which don't work everywhere the same, uh, to wording, to images, symbols, all these kind of things. The way that you work with the media is different. So, yeah, I can imagine that more and more we'll, we'll have to look at those things uh, from a local perspective. Yeah, but I mean, if you, but if you look at the, what, what brands are doing, so things like Personal's Dirty is Good um, campaign, for example. I mean, you know, what brands are trying to find is a, is a single brand message that works from around the world. So... So the, the, the counter trend to that, if you like, is that you know consumers are traveling more and more. They're seeing brands in more and more places, and they want they want a consistency of um, of message and experience. So so I think I think it is it is very difficult to know, um, and is is a, a very interesting challenge to brands to you know how do you how do you do that and create a consistent experience whilst still um, providing a very a very uh, locally textured um, approach and um, you know I don't have the answers to that but I, I think it's a, it's a really interesting question and I shall listen eagerly to the podcast to find the answers <laughs> yeah 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 I mean it's it's something uh, that, that will come back certainly it's uh, one of those topics that um, however you turn it, it it does come back when you talk to uh, to PR colleagues yeah yeah just to round up from from the basis what you've seen talking to you know people in the, in the industry agencies and in-house, when it comes down to organizing teams on a global scale, but what would you say is uh, is potentially best practice, or which are at least the the things that communication directors really need to take into account? So, so I think I think it's very much um, about looking at each organization separately. But I think communities need more cohesion than ever before, and what communications directors need to put in place is. Um, the, the right structure, not just for their business, but for every single task that that comes up. Um, and if you think about things from a from a task for task basis, then you want more flexible teams than ever before, and and you want to put a system in place that allows people to to move around the agency and uh, move around the organisation, um, and, and really focuses um, the skills and, and and the experience of your your teams, you know, where it's needed most on any given day. So. Uh, it's a it's a it's a growing challenge for I think um, comms directors. Yeah. So is your MBA done then? It's done. Yeah, graduated uh, in January. Great. So I'll put the link of your uh, study on the show notes, and we'll see. You know, if if comments come in, I'll I'll let you know. But uh, I'll already say thank you very much for uh, this uh, good half hour of discussion about your research. It was a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you very much for inviting me. And um, yeah, I should look forward to listening to future podcasts. Yeah, great. Thank you. Cheers. 
So there you have it. Now you know everything that you need to know to set up your global PR integrated organization and operation. No, seriously, I think it's it's great that uh, colleagues like Steve here uh, do this research in the context of their MBA, then write up a report and share it with the profession. That's how we move forward all together. So great stuff, great insights. On another note, um, I have an anniversary. It's uh, the 10th episode. So already 10 weeks that I'm producing this podcast. I really love it. I get feedback from from you um, and and really it makes me go on so please don't stop giving me feedback uh, reviews on iTunes help enormously for uh, boosting uh, the the my my enthusiasm uh, but I really love to do this it's really interesting project and I will continue definitely so this evening I'm popping the champagne and hope to hear you next week and until then do the right thing Keep peace.